Hare Krishna, everybody. Welcome to this session with His Holiness Jadvaita Maharaj. Hare Krishna Maharaj. Hare Krishna. My obeisances, all glories to Srila Prabhupada. All glories to Srila Prabhupada. So wonderful to see you. Thank you for being with us. Let me turn another light on. You'll see me better. Right? Yeah. Well, yeah, we can see you. Um, so for everybody who's uh, watching, um, you may all know that Maharaj is one of Pandavasena's very own uncles. He's a, a very senior devotee within our movement, joined and initiated in 68, sannyas in 78. Um, many things come to mind by way of introduction, um, but there are four things specifically that come to my mind. The first is Maharaj's very warm and ecstatic smile, which eases everybody, especially me, who's trying to interview him. So when I see that smile, I feel uh, a lot more at ease. Um, he has a very strict and regulated life. For example, if you go on his website, you can see his, his diet is very simple, very sattvic. And in fact, Tamar Krishna Maharaj once said during the Vyas Puja festival that he wished he could be as disciplined as Jayaveta Maharaj. Um, so that's another characteristic of Maharaj. His classes are very clear, very systematic, with uh, lots of reference to Shastra and philosophy. So you always leave Maharaj's classes feeling like you've understood something more than uh, where you were when you, when you walked into the class. And, uh, and finally, one of Maharaj's most famous, uh, famous characteristics for me, again, is that he says things as they are, period. And that can be a very refreshing thing, especially when we're living in a world of uh, motivational speakers and and self-transformational gurus just to hear things as they are. So Maharaj, we're very honored and uh, very happy to be here with you. Before we start, the topic is, uh, oh, I should actually mention in terms of questions, so those who are watching, um, you, can either, you can either submit your question through the chat um, and, and, and we can ask them on your behalf or you can actually um, say them yourself. So at the end, one of our tech guys will let you in um, and, and ask the question to Maharaj uh, directly. Um, but Maharaj, before we start, maybe you can just tell us a little snapshot. I'm sure everybody asks you every time you do these Zoom conferences. What have you been doing in the last three months? You've been in your hometown, New Jersey. So maybe just give us a, a snapshot of what the last three months have been for you. Well, I was in New York City and I came to Tuaco, New Jersey, where we have a, a big old house on some nice property. And... I came here on a writing retreat, but then while I was here, the world turned upside down. So I've just stayed here and I'm busy, a little bit of writing, giving a lot of classes, three nights a week I'm giving classes and then other nights or other times also. And I'm listening to other people's classes. There's some really great stuff out there. The, the, the New Jersey, New Jersey's channel has on the nights I don't speak, they have kind of an all-star lineup. I've been listening to Burijan Prabhu's classes and Indra Maharaj's classes. There's just wonderful stuff out there. So I've been um, filling my ears up a little bit. Great. Um, picking out, as they say. <laughs> I've been picking out in a different way. Good thing you can't see below my chest because my stomach's about three times the size it was before, before the quarantine. Um, so, Marge, the topic is from 
sinner to saint. I've got to make sure I get that the right way around, not from saint to sinner, sinner to saint. And uh, I, I've kind of, I have some questions, but I guess we'll just have a discussion about it. And I've split my questions into two categories. One is more of an ISKCON traditional perspective. And the second is uh, how we apply saintliness uh, to 21st century living. So maybe, Marjorie, we can start with just a definition. So we're on the same page. What is a saint and what is a sinner, according to you? Sadhareva Samantavya. In the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna says, a person who renders devotional service to me is a saint. That's the Krishna's definition. Even if he does something quite abominable, he'll quickly come back to the standard. So a person who's ananyabhak, who has no other business but to serve Krishna, that's his, his purpose in life. He's considered a, a saint. And then of course there are saintly qualities that a devotee is expected to develop. That's a further these are ornaments of a devotee, but these all proceed from devotion to Krishna, from, from serving Krishna. And a sinner, what is that? The yes. sinner means just the opposite. Vishnu Bhakta Smita Daiva Asuras Tadviparya, a person who's by nature inclined to do anything and everything without regard to the directions of the Vedic wisdom without regard for Shastra, without regard for Guru. He's performing sinful activities, whether he knows it or not. And then so many people don't know it, but fire burns regardless of whether one knows what fire is or, or not. So if one performs activities that have karmic consequences, the consequences come regardless of our ignorance or because of our ignorance. So sometimes, Marge, if, if being a saint means executing devotional service, if you were to kind of narrow it down to one phrase, sometimes when we're practicing Krishna consciousness, we're very enthusiastic about devotional service and, and we're very good at performing our devotional service and some days we're not so good. So does that mean that we go from being a saint to a sinner, from a saint to a sinner? How does that work? Well, we shouldn't go from being saint to sinner. We may go from being a, a, a really good saint to not quite as great a saint or not quite as accomplished a saint. But one shouldn't abandon the path of, of saintly behavior. Devotional service means, at the minimum, that one follow the, the principles for spiritual advancement. And otherwise, this, this bouncing back and forth between sinful activities, pious activities, devotional activities, that's not considered very good. Yeah. So a common idea is that saints are of the past. We hear of saints in, in the Vedic context of you know, hermitages and, and, and sages of the past. But do they exist today? And how do we recognize them? Of course, just like Prabhupada. And then you see followers of Srila Prabhupada who have saintly qualities. And, you know, I could start naming names. There are so many. My different godbrothers were disciples of godbrothers who they have wonderful saintly characteristics. So we don't have to turn back the pages and go back to the thousands of years. 
today also. We find people who've dedicated their lives to spreading the message of Krishna and who follow those follow that message in their lives. So we have to consider them the best class of saints. On that point, Prabhupada said that his movement has demons disguised as, as devotees. So, and you know, ISKCON's, ISKCON has somewhat of a colorful history of those that were deemed as saints or transcendentalists falling away from devotion. And you put your faith and your heart into somebody who you assume is a saint, and then it turns out that maybe they weren't. So how do we navigate that within the society in order to truly find a saint? Is ISKCON really a community of saints? Hmm. Interesting question. The, you find, generally it is, but then we find deviations. That's also possible. Or we find those who are insincere. And it also, ISKCON has become such a, you know, what do we mean by ISKCON? It's so big or it seems like it encompasses a lot of territory these, these days. But even in, in the narrower definition, yeah, we find people who disappoint us. We, we think, and then they, they fall from the standard of saintly behavior. If they're sincere, then Shiprambhavati come back to the standard and carry on. Otherwise, if they just leave this, the path of saintly life, that's unfortunate. From the perspective of the follower, so that's clear for the person who was in the position of a saint. But the position is looking up to a saint and, and seeking guidance from a saint. How do, they, how do they navigate that? Because it's a question of faith. If one saint breaks your heart, how then can you build your trust in another saint that may also break your heart? Well, like doctors or, or banks or, or, or anything else, people, people get on with it. A girl breaks my heart. I don't say, well, that's it for girls for the rest of my life. <laughs> or a boy breaks my heart, you know, girl's heart. She doesn't say, that's it, I'm done with men. Um, banks fail and people go to other banks. So many other things disappoint us and we say, all right, we'll, we'll get a doctor. Turns out to be a scoundrel. So we find another doctor. That's, that's the world. So, of course, we hope that such things don't happen, either in the medical field or in the spiritual field, but we know that sometimes they do. How can we, Marge, how can we um, live a life free of sin when everything around us, from our mobile phones to even just going, as you mentioned, to a bank or to, to work, everything around us is very much permeated with sin, things that are against devotional service. Is it sort of a very a sort of, uh, unrealistic ambition to try and be saintly in the material world. No, it's not unrealistic, but one, but it's a a struggle or a something that requires sincere determination. It's not that we can just sort of coast around in the environment and expect that we'll be above it all. There has to be some serious dedication and serious practice. Otherwise, the we'll go with the flow. The, the waves will carry us away. But for one who's serious in his, his determination and who's serious about association and practice, then it's possible. Mm -hmm. And also serious about limiting what he does on the internet because the internet can be vile. So when do we know enough's enough, for example, the internet? 
all 10 minutes is probably <laughs> the enough is enough when we're on on sites that are just clearly either by by that are either vile you know there are people who find sites that are obviously degraded and, and more than 10 seconds is, is too much. But apart from that, there's a lot of time wasting that goes on in the internet and that weakens us if we waste our time. The, for those who, who want to practice, want to have a program of steady sadhana, steady chanting and steady hearing and so on, my recommendation is keep your devices off till nine in the morning. The probably things will go on. There's nothing so urgent. You know, okay, there's an occasional thing that you need to keep your, your device turned on for. Otherwise, just keep them off till nine o'clock. Reserve that time for hearing, for chanting, for spiritual practices. And it makes a big difference. There's a big difference between being focused and having one hand on our bead bag and another, another hand on uh, the keyboard. So if you're not already doing that, try that. Just keep your device off till nine o'clock. The world, world won't fall apart and you'll be in a much better situation when you finally do turn your device on. For many of us, well, assuming that we're not on vulgar sites, we're using the, uh, you know, the, the wonderful facility of technology for work or for service. It's becoming more uh, more the way of the world now. All of us, for example, during this lockdown period, we're working from home. Practically, we found that most industries can now function through, through a computer or through an iPhone. And so it's, it's becoming uh, kind of more, um, it's sort of assumed that you will be very open and, and, and have a, a kind of a, an, an access to social media and an access to the online world in an unreserved way. Otherwise, you can't you can't do your job. No, 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 no. That's not true. I don't I don't accept that. That yes, you have to be online. You have to know your way around. And it's true that many businesses and corporates are are increasingly going toward online work. That's fine. But even in the office, a big, the bigger problem is that they don't expect you to be on Facebook. They don't be, expect you to be chatting with your wife. They don't expect you to be doing all this stuff. And that's what half the employees are doing three quarters of the time. So it's, it's a big time waste. If you're focused on your work on the internet, that's not bad. It's all this extracurricular time wasting stuff. At least for, for the work you're getting paid, uh, but uh, that uh, Zuckerberg, he's not paying you anything. There's, in ISKCON, there's a lot of emphasis on sin, um, rules, regulations. Um, I, I mean, not, you know, obviously there's, there's somewhat of a balance, but there is a definite focus on this is the way to be and this is the way not to be. And for many people, particularly the youth, it could be quite, it could be quite daunting and, and sort of quite um, quite a shock to the system if you fall short 
of some of these uh, rules and regulations and you fear judgment. Um, and so the question I have is, does ISKCON have the balance right? Or are we just really pushing people over the edge? Um, well, I don't know what your what ISKCON is, is ISKCON in any particular place is saying to whom, but certainly drawing boundaries is healthy. The if you're a parent, you don't draw boundaries for your kids. You're being irresponsible. If you're an employer and you don't have boundaries for your employees, you're being irresponsible. So boundary drawing is good. It lets everybody know where the fence posts are. That's, that's good. And it's also good for us personally. It, it says, okay, here's where I go, here's where I don't go. When you, you have no boundaries, no, no standards, no principles, where are you? You're, you're, you're a mess. So having clear and, and well-defined and strongly articulated boundaries is helpful both for the and for the individual. There's, that's, that's the first point. Now, that doesn't mean we have to be mean or fanatical or impersonal, but it means that there are standards and if, if one is serious, one is expected to follow them. And it depends. Obviously, if you're an inmate, as we sometimes say, of a temple, then there are certain standards that are mandatory. You, you have to do this or you can't be there. Otherwise, if you're in your own home, your own family, then it's up to you. We're, we're not going to send out the enforcers to make sure you're doing this or that or not doing this or that. It's up to you. But knowing what the standards are and having standards, and that's good, that's healthy, especially when the standards are meant are, are effective standards for keeping us above Maya, keeping us above the modes of passion and ignorance. The, if, if we are interested in, in being above the modes of passion and ignorance, if we're interested in transcendental life, then following those standards is in our own best interests. And having a society, well, it isn't so great. In terms of boundaries, I mean, ISKCON has general boundaries, which you're all aware of, but sometimes you find some communities have much stronger boundaries than other communities. And, and that can be an issue in terms of navigating that. Um, well, that's why I said it, it does depend upon the place. And I can't speak for every place. But of course, go from community to community, find out what the, what the expectations are there. You know, you go from a, one job to another job or one community to another community. You find out that every place is not quite the same. Even one, even in a, a company, the, the Los Angeles office may work differently from the office in New York, or the office in Bristol or, or London. So, yeah, we, we learn. Do you feel that's a problem, Marge, in terms of having ISKCON communities that are different from each other. I'm just thinking, for example, the Starbucks, whether you go to a Starbucks in London or a Starbucks in New York or even Brazil, you will know that you're in, in Starbucks. You've kind of, you know, you've left Brazil and you're now in, in Starbucks. Whereas if you go to a different ISKCON community, whether it's here in India or wherever, the flavor is different, the language is different. As you mentioned, the regulations and boundaries are different. Is that an issue in terms of consistency? 
across across the movement? It's not an issue for me in, in general. Uh, an ISCON that sort of a fran has a franchise model where everything is exactly the same. You get the same number of, of chips regardless of, of what city you're in. That's great for Starbucks, but I don't know that that's great for communities. There are, one thing that you may want to consider is there may be con communities that are intentionally different in some re regard. They put more emphasis on something or more emphasis on something else. And then people gravitate toward the community that most their needs or their most attracts them or, or fits with their with who they are or, or how they think of themselves. Not that that every place has to be the same. Even the same city, you may have one center that's more like this and one center that's more like that. And people can choose. I'd rather be more this way. I'd rather be more that way. Here they give more emphasis on, on kirtan. Here they give more emphasis on study. Here they give more emphasis on outreach. Choose your flavor. A, a potential problem I see with that, Maharaj, is that sometimes as devotees, we get very enthusiastic. My Guru Maharaj says this. My Guru Maharaj says that kirtan is the only way. Book distribution is the only way. And then it creates you know, f factions and, and, you know, quarreling and then camps. Well, people have to be mature. It's not that, that everybody's way is the only way, but, but there's nothing wrong with, you know, my Guru Maharaj is, is really behind this and my Guru Maharaj emphasizes that. So this is what I do. And this, this is what I do. As long as they understand that the whole world is not obliged to do things the way their Guru Maharaj does, the whole world is not obliged to have the same vision or the same emphasis, then it's fine. And grown-ups basically get that. Spiritual grown-ups. Marge, other than Srila Prabhupada, is there a saint that really inspires you? It can be ISKCON, non-ISKCON, just a bit of a personal question there. Non-ISKCON, I'm probably not familiar enough with any saints to, to, be, to have a, a view. In this company, Niranjan Maharaj, Sachinandan Maharaj, the, the Govinda Maharaj, Indra Dumna Maharaj, the, there's some, there's dozens and dozens. How how many, how many saintly devotees there, there are? And then, in in the next generation, there's there's so many also. Some are are I mean just wonderful devotees. The whole community is full of, of saintly people, grahastas, sannyasis, so wonderful. They, they're just wonderful saintly devotees. I heard, who was it was speaking the other night? Uh, oh, my goodness. Uh, Amarendra. I don't know. Amazing. Like, yeah. It's like, where did this guy come from? He's so enthusiastic to speak Bhagavatam and he, he knows, so, knows the philosophy so nicely and he's got verses this way and that way and he's, he speaks beautifully and, and sings beautifully. And you say like, my goodness, what planet? <laughs> it's like, you know, this is the, uh, just, a, just people's qualities 
coming out of their ears. Mm. Just as we would expect, you know, we would hope that devotees who, young people who grow up and with devotee parents would become saintly devotees and not everyone does, but many do. And they're just like amazing, amazing people. Maharaj, you've been there since 68 and you're, you're seeing the transition from the first to the second generation. Are we going in the right direction? You mentioned some of these young devotees. Are you... Are you uh, of course. Sorry, you, you uh, broke up. You're all off course. <laughs> <laughs> Care to help us get back on course? Hopeless. <laughs> the... It's individual. There's some some young people who are who seem very lost. There's some young people who've really had a hard time of it. There's some people who are outstanding in their spiritual qualities and spiritual development. It's really all over the lot. I don't think there's a. I, I don't. I can't make a generalization. Say. Is a good generation, a bad generation, they're on course, they're off course. It's really individual. As individual on a, on, a, on a person to person basis, or could you make a generalization between those who are off course, they need this? Is there anything you can pinpoint in regards to that? Well, yes, I mean individual, that's the first thing. And then the next thing is, well, what is it worse? Gambling, intoxicants, meat-eating, illicit sex, that's very much off course. Then you even find people that they, they've rejected, they, they become atheistic or, or antagonistic, or, or that's obviously very much off course. Then, then there are those, okay, they're, they're not the strongest, they're not the most the strictest but they're sincere they're 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 working on it oh so that's that's good as, as even the first generation that's what we did we came and some of us had it easier some of us had it harder some were stricter some were looser so we find that in, in the next generations also uh, as expected but Yes. Okay. I think that answers. I'm just getting a message from our tech team. I'm also experiencing it that you are breaking up every so often. I don't know if there's anything you can do your end to help no, the connection. Small thing. I'll, um, I just saw that my laptop's not plugged in, so maybe plugging it in gives it a little more power. I'm not that far from the router. Yeah. Have you got a phone that's connected to the Wi-Fi or something? Yeah. Um, Maybe if you just switch the Wi-Fi off the phone, it will help the bandwidth. Oh, no, uh, it's, uh, it's connected, but it's not doing anything. There's nothing happening there. There's, there's no activity. Let's see if there's anything else going on on my laptop that I can close. Okay, the laptop is all yours now. Okay. It may just, it may just be the, the nature of, of the internet and, and how much we can get out of it. Um, if anybody else is 
using their video and they could turn it off. I'm just getting a message saying that it's better now. So maybe, I don't know. It's better. I'm mentioning it sorted the problem out. <laughs> okay, so Marge, let's go into the 21st century kind of applying the principle of, of saintliness to today's living. In, in London, there was a big Black Lives Matter march and thousands mm -hmm. of people joined. And of course, I'm sure you're very, very much well aware of what's going on specifically in America regarding this whole issue. Um, the Christian Hillsong community and many Islamic associations are releasing statements from their leaders in support of the Black Lives Matter campaign. As far as I know, there's not been any official statement from MISCON. So my question is, what is a saint's duty to societal and humanitarian issues such as Black Lives Matter or gender equality or other issues? What would you say is our responsibility in that regard? Well, I would hope that our response would be to give some spiritual I'm really, I don't have much patience for Me Too kind of statements. Oh, it's really terrible. We stand shoulder to shoulder with those who say, that, who, you know, that we're for democracy or we're for justice or we just to come out and say that. Might as well be quiet because you're just an echo. But we have something to say that, you know, hey, baby, what are you talking about? Black Lives Matter. Get down to what what you really are. You're not this body. That's the first thing. And other people need to understand that also. That's the root of the problem. Some people are thinking black. Some people are thinking white. Like I'm this, I'm that. And therefore duality. So one has to come to the, to the, plat, to the spiritual platform. Everybody's life matters. Why only black lives? Black lives matter. White lives matter. Yellow lives matter, red lives matter, matter, everybody's life matters. But if all we see is the bodily platform, then we'll start dividing it up. Our group matters, black lives matter, or you know, everybody, but our group matters more than your group. And that's on the family level, that's on the, the racial level, that's on the ethnic level, that's on the national level, international level. Everybody's life matters, but some lives matter more than others because we're on the bodily platform. When we come to the spiritual platform, that's the real equality platform. That's the real equality life, uh, equality platform. Unborn lives matter. But we sort of divide it up according to our sense gratification. These lives matter more than those lives. So real equality, real proceeds from basic understanding. In regards to... Sorry, Marge? Which is there in the Bhagavad Gita. But Marge, your, your response assumes that we are, in one sense, transcendentalists. I mean, of course, outside of ISKCON, it's clear they are on the bodily platform. But within ISKCON, I'd say we are also very much on the bodily platform. Many devotees, whilst they believe it, and they're sincerely trying to realize it, they're just not there yet. Uh, you know, I'm an Indian, I have an Indian body, although I, I'm born in London, but I identify with 
a certain way of doing things based on my cultural upbringing. I'm, I'm, I'm not, uh, you know, um, sort well, of- I don't have a problem with that. The, just that, every, that we see spiritual equality doesn't mean that everybody gets put in the same bucket. You just add masala and stir, and at the end it comes out as, as soup, where every, everybody's the same. I think that's a short-sighted approach to things. People are different. They have different cultures. They have, they're different about the food they like. They're different in their customs. They're different in so many different ways. So I don't know that we have to have everything be merged. Certainly we shouldn't have things cordoned off that, sorry, you know, you're not welcome at Bhakti because you're, you're black or you're, you're white or you're, you're just not, or you're, you're not good. Thing. That's, that's vile. We don't want that. But there can be, there's plenty of scope for birds of a feather flock together. So if, if the Indians get together and hang out with other Indians, fine. And if other people with other affinities hang out together, that's fine too. Just chant Hare Krishna. Not that we have to merge everybody together and say, our goal spiritual institutions where everybody participates and why are are these people not included and why are these people not coming and why and why are these people dominating you know, forget it if there's too many indians at bhaktivedanta manor start your own place for for other people or if there's too many not enough indians eat start something else you know it's not that everything has to be merged or that that there's no scope for further direction the there's there's so many cultures and in one sense you can celebrate them like in america we have a huge hispanic culture um, so many hispanic people and there's so much to be said for hispanic people very pious ways there's so many things going for them but if you just but they speak spanish they're most comfortable. They're most comfortable doing, you know, when they're with other people who are from the same background that they're from. So obviously, it's not draw fences, and people can't cross. But if you're smart and you want to spread Krishna consciousness, then you say, okay, we're going to reach out to these people. We're going to reach out to those people. You know, there's like it's a huge Ethiopian community in Washington, D.C. There's a huge Iranian community in Northern California. And just to say, okay, now we stir well until everything's mixed in may not work, especially when you've already got a dominant majority somewhere. When, when, you're, when your church is like, let's say, 98% black. Chances are that an Indian newcomer who around and say, what am I doing here? Or if your, your church is 98% Indian, someone who's black or white probably say, what am I doing here? 
And people who are there may also kind of think, well, what is this fellow doing here? So I know churches do a lot of hand-wringing, you know, why is that we don't have a more even represent? I say, go with it. You know, you have, have lots of different communities where people can come and go and, and find, make them comfortable and where they find friendship and, and fellowship and affinity. And in, in that way, make it more inclusive, not by trying to make everything, fit everything in one box that, that fits, fits everything, but by having lots and lots and lots and lots of boxes that you can, that you can uh, opt for. And then by having flexibility so that people can come here, they can come here, it's not limited. Marge, what do we say to devotees who, um, who, are, who are experiencing prejudice on the basis of their body? I mean, this whole dialogue has in one sense really highlighted the fact that there is racism in ISKCON and, and particularly because it's Black Lives Matter, many black devotees have expressed um, pain and, 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 and even leaders such as Bhakti Tirtamaraj had expressed that he had, he had encountered that. Surely saying, you're not this body is a very insensitive thing to say to them. Yeah, and it's certainly true that ISKCON needs to get better. That just saying you're not this body and then acting the opposite way. Wonderful. So the members have to become spiritually advanced so that they 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 see that hey, this person's a Vaishnav, this person's or a candidate for being a Vaishnav. So one has to develop spiritual vision. Samadarshana, a person who's actually on the spiritual platform, develops equality of vision. And it's not enough just that, you know, I drive, I drive up in my Mercedes on Sunday and I come to the Sunday feast and I do some other spiritual stuff, but I keep the same mundane vision. That's not really all that great. We're trying to bring people to the platform of being pundits, of being samadarshis, of having equal vision. So just to some platitudes and a, a platform and a, an official statement and all of that is not a substitute for coming to the point of spiritual vision. Which brings us back to our first point that if, if we want to have saintly people, then having boundaries is good. I don't mean racial boundaries. I mean boundaries, you know, this is how we act. This is how we don't act. This is what's favorable for the service of Krishna. This is what's unfavorable for the service of Krishna. Having those kinds of regulations and following them brings us to the platform where we actually develop spiritual vision, which is finally what what there has to be. There has to, the devotees have to be saintly. They have to develop spiritual understanding. Then you get proper treatment of others, empathy for others, fellowship with others, and not just, well, he's not in my group, so out. That, that has to come. 
So how, how, do we, how do we repair some of the damage that's done by this bodily identification? Because getting to a place of some, uh, um, of uh, Pandita Samadarshana, it's, it's, it's like, it's, it will happen somewhere in the future. But right now, I'm hurting because the TP doesn't let me serve because I'm black. Or I, I'm looked at differently because I, my hair is a certain way. How do we do those immediate, more human issues instead of making it into sort of a very spiritual thing, which could, in one sense, be missing the whole thing from their perspective? Well, there are different ways of doing that. One is to tolerate and say, you know, he's a fool, doesn't mean I have to be a fool. Prabhupada wrote to one devotee, Markandeya, who was black-bodied, and answering some questions about Africans and so on, Prabhupada said, what do you care? You're not this body and, and get off it. So that, of course, was one response that he gave. He responded differently in different times. So that's one response that even one might, oneself one might have. What do I care if they, they consider me, consider me Puerto Rican or they consider me, you know, what name your designation? What's it to me? I'm not, that's one response. Another response is you, you can institution, there, there, whatever mechanisms are there for, you can try and press the right button or, or add the right element for change. The other thing is you start something else. I've, I've dealt with a group here in New Jersey. It's not along black white lines or at, at all or, or black Indian lines at all. But there were two groups of people who had two, just two different ways of, of going at things. And finally, one just broke off and started another Sangha, you know, like Tay, another temple, as it were, another nonprofit corporation. And the two were always sort of at their, at one another because, you know, they're in competition or they're uh, something. But they've seemed to have worked it out and it's just it's different styles. And there's different people who see things different ways. So in one sense, I, I sort of favor if you don't pull, if there's something that's really irksome about it or fundamentally, you see it as fundamentally flawed or, or it's just something else. And I, I've, even my sort of joke, half joke is, that this is how we spread the Krishna consciousness movement by breaking off, by saying, you know, I just don't like this temple. I'm going to go start another one. Great. Instead of being, you ring again, say, why couldn't we keep these people? And why do they want to be? Great. They start something new. And I can think of some very successful temples that work exactly that way. They got, that's how they got their start. They just couldn't, they're the, uh, even there was one sannyasi, Prabhupada asked him, why, did you want, why do you want to take sannyas? He said, Prabhupada, I can't get along with anyone else. Prabhupada said, that's a good reason. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, or I don't think I'm, I'm breaking any, any uh, uh, protocols here. In the UK, you've got that man, Parshuram. He, he doesn't see eye to eye with anyone. He's got his completely, you know, 
what's the word, maverick approach to things. And it's fabulous, you know, he'll just, he does so much preaching. And, you know, it's, it's great that he's not under any, because it, life would be more difficult for him and he, he, he wouldn't accomplish 10% as much. Yeah, he's a maverick. He's a do it my way kind of a guy. And what is he doing? He's holding programs all over the UK. He's distributing prasadam. He's, he's doing kirtan. Great, you know. And I, I know it sometimes rubs him wrong that he, he's not, a, people sometimes don't appreciate. But he's, you know, look at what that man does. There's another, in my uh, legion of superheroes, another man, you know, another saint. Just wonder. So be one of those people. Just, you know, say, oh, these guys are impossible and start something new and something better. So Marge, in, 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 sorry, you want to finish that point? And you know, get together with a, with a few other like-minded people. If you, you may not have the feel that you have the power to do that on your own, get together with a few others and, and do something. It's a lot more really aching, which isn't to, to trivialize or diminish people who are really wrongly treated and just to say, oh, well, you're just, you're just whining. I, I, I don't mean to say that, but, but this is one solution. But just to say, oh, the heck with these guys and start something else within the same, you know, the principles of Krishna consciousness with it, loyal to Prabhupada and so on. Start a new chapter, a new branch. ISKCON should be broad enough to accommodate that. So Maharaj, as we as we sort of develop in our in our journey on, in Krishna consciousness, as we try to realize that this point that we're not this body, is there a point just as when you're training to be a doctor, then you are a doctor. When you're training to be a lawyer, then you are a lawyer. Is there a point where you're working hard to try and be saintly, and then suddenly you have that eureka moment and you are a saint? How does that work? How do you know if you're a saint or not? Well, as for a start. You probably the minimum is that you, you, you don't think you're a saint. <laughs> Up in Eureka and, and realize this saint is probably, should probably be disqualified on the spot. And then? The, but one, we're being trained in saintly behavior. So, you can do an audit. Am I following this? Am I, am I free from gambling? Am I free from intoxicants? Am I free from illicit sex? Am I free from meat eating? Am I chanting regularly? And so on. Am I avoiding 10 offenses? You can do an audit. Am I in the, there, there are principles in, in this science of bhakti yoga. And you can do an audit. Am I, am I following these things? Then if you're following, those are sort of the externals. Then you look in your heart and you say, am I free from these unwanted things? Am I free from, free from duplicity? Am I free from uh, um, racial hatred? Am I free from you know, so many unwanted things in, in the heart, the desire for, for, for well, separate motives, profit motive, so many things, fame and name and adoration. Am I developing to hearing about Krishna, to, to chanting the holy name of Krishna? Am I getting a taste for kirtan, for 
for devotional service. Uh, these, these are different, what would you say, measures that we can apply to ourselves. Some of them are external and sort of easy to recognize, and the others, others are internal and or subjective. And under the guidance of the spiritual master also, we can try to make progress. Marge, many of us struggle with utsaha in our Krishna consciousness, maintaining this enthusiasm, um, particularly when we've got one foot in ISKCON, one foot in our work or whatever. So during your 50 plus years um, as a practicing devotee, um, as a leader in our society, what moments for you have sort of been quite transformative? Where I'm not going to assume that you've had moments where you've gone, of course, but um, if there's anything that comes to mind in helping us maintain our enthusiasm, and not feel disheartened that uh, we're maybe not, you know, we're not doing the best that we, we could be doing. First is most important thing is association. Because while someone's down, others will be up. So the, uh, those who are up can help him stay afloat. If we're on our own, there's, there's an, a, uh, a verse in Ecclesiastes that says that, that if two are together, then they, they have strength. They can withstand attackers. And if one falls, you came up. But if you're alone, then it's so much harder. So having the association of devotees with advanced devotees is especially important. And apart from that, having a strong life, having a strong practice of, of chanting, of hearing, uh, of devotional activities. Because it's, I may sometimes be enthusiastic and sometimes less enthusiastic, but if I have a steady program, I keep going. The, you like the, anything, whether you're a weightlifter or a, a musician or an athlete of, of some sort, or anything else, student. Some days you feel like you're really, you've really got it down and it's really going great and you're really accomplishing something. And some days you feel like, ah, you know, I'm not, how long am I? And it's, everything seems bleak and you're not going anywhere. But if you have a steady program that anyway, I'm going to study for three hours. First, I'm going to do this many push-ups or lift this many weights. Anyway, I'm going to practice the, the, for my hour and a half, whatever it is. I'm going to write for an hour, writers. So whatever it is, if you have a steady practice, sometimes you're dry and sometimes you're enthusiastic. And there's an American writer, I happened to see some comments he made, said that his principle was that he wrote X number of words per day. He would sit and he would have to meet his quota of words per day. And once he did that, he said, I'm done. I, I close up my desk and I'm, I'm done. And he said, sometimes I feel really inspired. And sometimes I don't. He said, but when I look back at the work, he said, it's all pretty much the same. 
the, the writing that I did when I was inspired and the writing I did because I had to meet my quota, he said, it's all pretty much the same. So if we have a strong program, spiritual activities that we follow, then that sustains us. And if we have the association of devotees, that sustains us. And if we have philosophical understanding, that sustains us. Because otherwise, there, of course, there are ups and downs. And we need something that we, a platform that we stand on so that we're also not going, woo, 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 woo. We're not like leaves in the wind, but we have a stable situation. So Marge, we're coming to the end of our hour and there are a few so questions bad. that have been submitted. So I'll just uh, read one out here. Um, what should I do if I'm struggling to make strong, meaningful friendships with people in the movement? I'm struggling to form bonds as strong as I did when I had Kami friends. Um, please advise. Well, I don't have an immediate answer. One is, you don't have lots of friends. Even if you have one or two or three really valuable friendships that may satisfy your, your needs. That's one, one thought. Another thought is that in devotional service, my experience is that friendships grow from service. When you serve with someone, that really presents an opportunity for friendship. Now, it may not work that way always. You know, people may be very dissimilar. And even though they're doing a service together, it's sort of, I come and do my service, you come and do your service. But it's a real opportunity for developing friendship. I, my standard example is, is war buddies. You know, when people are in the war together, they may come from different economic strata, different backgrounds, different educational levels. But there's something about being in the trenches together that can form, uh, that can be the basis of a lifelong intimate friendship. And, you know, 40 years later, 60 years later, that friendship is, is still tight because you were there looking out for one another and and working together. So that's one thought that I have about devotional friendships that so often there's a real opportunity when we're serving to develop friendship, especially if we're looking to, to do it, but, um, but yes. Perfect, thank you, Marge. There's a second question and it's similar. I think you may have answered it, but I'll read it anyway. This is from Sachinandan Karuna Prabhu. And he asked, what tips can you give to finding like-minded devotees in a big and varied community? And I guess when you mentioned that, um, you know, ISKCON temples in one sense are independent temples, they, they look different, they sound different, they speak different. Is it a case of them moving, just, you know, kind of hopping from one temple to another to find something that's like-minded? Um, what's the best way to achieve this? You may. I mean, you don't want to be on the mental platform always looking for the ideal temple. But there's something to be said for, you know, like colleges, some people are, are most, they really fit in well in a big university with 
the social activities and the, you know all of that kind of stuff. And some people are, are much more comfortable in the institution where there are things are, where everybody knows one another and so on. So it's, it's that way with spiritual institutions also. Some people, you know, they thrive in an environment where there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people, crowds of people and big inspiring events. And other, they're really looking for just a small group of people that they can have close friendships with. And, and so there's something to be said for being out the company of like-minded people. And at the same time, not manic about it, not, not being on the eternal quest for the ideal group of people, but there's something to be said for, I like this, I like being with this group, I like being with that group and taking advantage of the opportunity. There's also something to be said for those who are preachers or trying to spread Krishna consciousness, something to be said for developing such groups very closely, understanding that big, big groups are, tend to be groups in which everyone gets lost. And you can have a wonderful time at something like a Rata Yatra festival with thousands and thousands of people. But as human beings, we generate personal and more intimate relationships with people. So if you can form small groups, reading groups, study groups, any kind of Krishna conscious groups, groups of people who, who meet together regularly and, and serve together or cultivate Krishna consciousness together. That gives an opportunity for such friendship, loving relationships to, to develop. It gives a good opportunities for that. You mentioned the war buddies. I'm just curious again about uh, you personally. Is that how? Uh, I never fought in the trenches. No, I, 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 <laughs> the Marines wouldn't have me. So I, uh, I guess. <laughs> no, I wanted to ask uh, in terms of friendship, is, is that how, is that kind of how your life is that you have a key few people in your life that are your war buddies? Uh, or do you tend to kind of work more in, in larger crowds, just a personal? I, I, I'm not a crowd guy. I'm not a crowd guy. Crowds are, are and some people, you know, they, they just thrive on crowds. I'm, I'm not one of those people. I, I do much better with a small group of people. Mm. And that's what I tend to gravitate toward. There's a third question here. Um, it said that bhakti can be practiced in three modes. Should one endeavor to develop the mode of goodness before practicing bhakti? Um, no, you shouldn't endeavor to do anything before practicing bhakti. Bhakti comes first, and then try to do the other things, try to develop the, the good qualities and everything else. But nothing comes before bhakti. Bhakti's first. And I think this will be the last question. Shastra says to avoid the association of non-devotees. However, some people are just unable to grasp this concept. Some just feel that we should be kind to all. And, and there's something to learn from anybody. Um, so maybe you could just shed some light on this concept. Being kind to all is, is good. And even learning from, from everybody is good. There's Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur illuminates this topic. He, he says that associate, I'm going from memory here. Association doesn't just mean 
seeing people and talking with people. It's not that you, you get on a bus, driver's not wearing tilaks, you jump off. It's, it's not that, you know, we can't, oh no, another non-devotee, another non-devotee. But our intimate association is with the devotees. With other people, good morning, nice to see you, so on and so on. Or if it's work, then let's get into it. That's normal. That's normal life. But our intimate association, these are especially meant to be exchanged between devotees. There's a, a story, I know we're just about out of time or, or a little over time. There's a, a well-known story about the the alligator and the, the um, what's it, a scorpion there? Uh, no, a monkey and an alligator, this one. There's also a scorpion one. Uh, the, the monkey wanted to go across the river and the alligator volunteered that I'll take you across. So the monkey agreed and alligator is swimming and when they're out in the middle, the alligator starts submerging and says, now I'm I'll drown you and my family will love feast. We're going to eat your heart. And the monkey said, oh, man, you should have told me. You know, why don't you let me know earlier? It's like, now you tell me. Because if you'd only told me early, you know, I left my heart back at, on the shore. But it's, it's not too late. You, you take me back and I'll get my heart and then you can have your feast. So the alligator thought, well, that makes sense. So he took the monkey back and monkey jumped off onto the shore. Oh. So Prabhupada said that the moral was that when you go out with the with the alligators, keep your heart at home. What a wonderful way to end, Marge. Thank you so much. It's been our honor and privilege, and just so wonderful to see you. And we hope that uh, you can make your way to the UK when it's safe. And uh, really, thank you for your time. Thank you so much, you for your all association, enlivening. Hare thank Krishna. you, Marge. Hare Krishna. All glories to Shri Prabhupada. All glories to Shri Prabhupada. Hare Krishna.